This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Yeah! Football! Yes. Welcome into Purple Daily. In the eye of the off-season storm here, gentlemen, we've kind of moved past the bulk of the first wave of free agency, especially with Odell Beckham Jr. signing with... The Ravens over the weekend, which might signal a Lamar Jackson return. We're not totally sure, but I feel like I feel like uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was like sort of the the last vestige of the first wave of free agency. You know, fair enough. Yeah, and and now the second and third wave oftentimes doesn't happen until after the draft because teams like to see what they have, what they don't. You know, what do they do in the first round? So, so we're sitting here in the eye of the storm here, and we're going to use this opportunity to reset the Vikings offseason here. We're going we're gonna to judge it as it stands right now and talk about how we feel about things going forward here. And uh, we'll do all of that thanks to our friends at TCL, now an official partner of the National Football League. No matter what you watch, TCL has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space, all with stunning picture quality. And TCL makes more than just TVs. They offer mobile products, audio devices, home appliances. TCL brings you joy and simplicity through innovative technology. Learn more at TCL.com. And don't forget, mark your calendars. I've already received emails and tweets, and you guys have probably seen the same ones, from people traveling in, from planning at least to travel in. On April 27th, the Surly Draft Party at Park Tavern, 6 o'clock start time, 7 o'clock-ish stream on YouTube time. Evan from Atlanta. We've had people uh, hit us up from... Texas, from some other states, Virginia. Yeah, saw someone hit us up from Virginia. So people are coming from uh, from outside the state of Minnesota. We are super excited for the second annual draft party at Park Tavern in St. Louis Park on April twenty seventh. And yes, Judd, it'll be it'll be indoors, and there is a spillover area, yep. which is which is like a it's a tent serving closed tent area. So you yep. won't be you won't be standing in the rain. I guess is the main point. And our our, uh, our absolute key point man, Ross Brendel, is going to, I believe, in the next couple of days, post a map on the Score North website with parking places around the building. Because their lot fills up, but there is parking. There is plenty of parking. So there is going to be be on the uh, the lookout for a parking map, which will direct you where to go, which is vital. They'll just actually park your cars for you. Ross will just be the valet. He'll just, he'll just park all the cars, the hundreds nice. and hundreds of cars. That'd be nice. Uh, did you guys see the SNL valet skit from the uh, weekend I, with Molly Shannon? I'd have no. to. I saw it circulating. I'm 
watched it yet. It looks amazing. Little joke? What was it? Uh, little joke? Little jog? Something? Go see it. It's pretty funny. As I can see Ross and Ross and Declan doing the little <laughs> ballet thing. So, all right, boys. Let's. I'm going to ask you guys a series of questions here about the Vikings offseason, and we can kind of go through and parse apart our thoughts on what's happened so far and what we want to see. So my first question to you guys is, what is the best thing the Vikings have done so far this offseason? So I'm going to start with this. Um, there are a few things that actually that would be pretty good choices here. So I think spreading them around will be good. But I think the best thing is purging Thielen, Kendricks, and veterans. Because what this does is it's not just the players. It gives you an opportunity for Kwesi Dofamensa, the GM, and Kevin O'Connell, the coach, now to sort of chart their own path, right? Because the 13-win 2022 team was successful in the regular season, but that really wasn't their team. Like, like there's no way that they – uh, both got jobs and said, our vision is to keep the status quo for as long as possible. So I'm going to say the best thing is that they are starting to move on from veteran guys who were paid well. Um, and it, like in Kendrick's case, he had fallen off, but he's not a terrible player. But at some point in time, this team and, and these two individuals in particular, in Quasi and Kevin, needed to start to really make this their team and I think the best move is the fact that we saw significant steps or we have seen significant steps towards that happening yeah so do you so you're sort of saying addition by subtraction in some ways I guess that's kind of my question off of it and I agree it was good to finally just say goodbye to some of these guys who are well past their prime or maybe even close to retirement I think Thielen's probably closer to retirement than he is his prime but he has a chance to prove us all wrong in, in Carolina do you think they've lost anything? I, I Like the leadership of the locker room. You could say that Eric Kendricks and Adam Thielen were right there among the top leaders on offense and defense. So is it a case of just pure addition by subtraction, or do you think they have to be a little careful about you know, gutting the leadership of this football team? Well, I think, I think you have to be careful about that if you feel that your younger players aren't set to step up and lead. But I, I would say that, that there's been nothing that we've seen from the public comments or w- what he has done from Justin Jefferson that would lead me to believe, I don't think that kid is prepared yet. I mean, seems to be an incredibly mature player for his age. He's an incredible player. And look, just by being him, he carries, there's no question in my mind, he carries the most juice in that room, right? Because mm-hmm. when you're that damn good, if you can lead at all, you are going to, to be what amounts to, in this sport, the de facto head captain. So I think you'd have to be careful about this if you were concerned, oh, my God, we got a bunch of young, inexperienced, knucklehead players. I think then it's a concern. But, no, I think that these guys did a very good job of taking a look for a, a year, seeing what's what. And eventually you do want the younger group now to move into the Thielen Kendricks role. So I would say that they have to be careful if I didn't trust the room and the culture that's been set. But I think they're doing a good job there. I'm actually uh, glad you asked this because I've been asking a lot of Vikings fans on Vikings Ventline these questions. Best moves and worst moves so far of the offseason. If you want to get in on one of those episodes too, by the way, VikingsVentline at gmail.com. would love to hear from as many Vikings fans as possible. Uh, I would say the best move of free agency thus far, the offseason, I guess, uh, probably the hiring of Brian Flores. I mean, at one point, this guy was going to be a head coach candidate. He was a head coach candidate. He was on the shortlist for some teams. Um, he has a great pedigree as a defensive guy. 
And last year they trusted Donatel to run it, but that turned out to be obviously the, the, the wrong call there. Brian Flores knows how to run a defense. He's younger. Um, this Even if this is a parlay of him getting a head coaching job a year from now, that's fine. I think the hiring of Brian Flores and what he was able to do with Miami, what he did with Mike Tomlin too in Pittsburgh, he's well-respected even though he's a younger guy. I think just his presence trying to turn around this defense that has been one of the worst in the NFL for the last three years is probably the best move so far. Yeah, And think about like they hired him with a ton of uncertainty surrounding the personnel on defense. he I'm sure they had some discussions about, hey, we're probably going to say goodbye to Kendricks. We're probably going to... We're, we we might say goodbye to Zadarius or whatever and Dalvin Tomlinson, but he took this job with a lot of uncertainty. It's it's a personnel rebuild in a lot of ways on defense. Yes, Harrison Smith's going to be around. Daniel Hunter may be around. But for him to buy into what Quasey and Kevin O'Connell are building here just from a cultural standpoint, that's why he... Because he could have just stayed with Pittsburgh. Hell, he probably could have put his hat in the ring for three other defensive coordinator jobs too with defenses that are a little bit more formed and not coming off ranking 30th in the NFL or 31st or whatever it was in yardage. So I think it's very telling that there's a lot of respect for what Quasi and KOC are building and what the Vikings are doing organizationally that Brian Flores would say, yep, despite the the turnover and the youth movement here, I'm going to take this job. This is a great place for me to to step up into my next head coaching role. And. I think the problem in Pittsburgh is if you have su- success there defensively, you know, Tomlin's the guy, right? So he's going to get the the majority of the credit on that side of the ball probably goes to Mike T. Here, if, and I'm sure he does, uh, that Flores wants a second bite at the head coaching apple, it's perfect. Because if you come here and have success, no one's going to say, yeah, but Kevin O'Connell really has got that defense going, right? Like this is his thing. and so. I, I would guess that he saw an an opportunity here from O'Connell's standpoint and Quasi's, but especially O'Connell's, I think the hiring of Flores makes perfect sense because the Donatell thing to me never really did. Older, longtime assistant coach, um, definitely a different thought process than like O'Connell and Quasi. I, I think Flores one saw a situation he probably fits in really well to. But two, if he gets this thing back on track, and by that, I just mean like a top 15 defense, this guy is a a head coach again, I think, by 2024. Yeah. I would say, okay, I'm going to give you an honorable mention for best thing that they've done, and then I'll give you my actual answer. My quick honorable mention is bringing the Kirk Cousins contract extension train to a halt, it looks like. Yep. And, And because they, so they signed him to the original deal, and then, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they restructured after the second year. So they, they ate a lot of cap hit in 2018 and 19. Yep. And then they, and then 2020 was the first year where they said, all right, we're going to borrow from this year and shove money into the future. So they've been sort of misaligned. With, they've been trying to shove Kirk money into the future. And that's been the incentive two different times to keep doing these, uh, these restructures, and this is the first time they said, we're going to move some money around, but we're not going to extend the actual contract. And and they've given themselves, um, unless something different happens here, they've given themselves uh, a lot more flexibility after the 2023 season here. And in addition to not continuing the the extension train, 
what they've also done is they've created the lowest Cousins cap hit in terms of percentage of the, the team cap in Kirk's history as a starting quarterback. It might be a year or two too late because it feels like the roster is in this transition mode. Right. But but because of the way they've they've sort of restructured the accounting of his contract, his contract only takes up 9% of the team cap. In previous years, it was 17%, 15%, 15%, 13%. And that may not seem like a lot. You're talking about, well, what's the difference between 15 and 9%, right? Like 15, like it's a Marcus Davenport and a Byron Murphy and a... And, and you know, maybe keeping one of your own players, an Alex Madison or something. So it does make a difference. So we'll see if if that actually helps the Vikings. Maybe part of their competitive rebuild was, all right, we're not going to keep the train moving, but if we can kind of, like, spread his money out, but you know, the remaining money between two seasons and have low cap hits relative to previous years, maybe that'll help us actually be competitive while we also retool the roster. Um, my actual answer is, I love the bets they're placing on 25 and 26 year old free agents. I love the Byron Murphy signing. And these are all kind of gambles because some of these guys might not pan out, but I love the thinking behind it. Go get some 25, 26 year old players with high upside, former first, second round draft picks, Marcus Davenport, even Josh Oliver, the run blocking tight end, not a very splashy, exciting signing, but he's a road grading blocking tight end. He caught a ton of passes in college, and maybe there's some untapped potential there. So I just, I love what they're doing philosophically by trying to align the uh, the ages of key players with Justin Jefferson, Christian Derrissaw, and their young nucleus. I do like the fact that a head coach who is all in on the offensive side of the football clearly signed off on the Byron Murphy Jr. play as well. Because he easily could could have said, "Yeah, we can't, can't Brian can't Brian work with our corners, or can't we get a cheaper one in in here?" That's a good contract, first of all. But second of all, um, I think Saul. I think taking a significant step to either solve the inside guy in the nickel or an outside corner spot is a great move. In the acknowledgement that you think that you can develop offensive players, draft them. That's fine. Uh, but I like the. This is very, in in some ways, this is very un-Zim-like. Like the Vikings signed Cousins, but he didn't want to, right? Mm-hmm. I think KOC was like, no, let's solve this defensive problem with a known commodity because I can work on the offensive side of the ball, but we need to get this fixed. And mm-hmm. so I like that. I think it's savvy and smart. Instead of, of saying, you know, let's just go in, all in on offense, you say, okay, let's get a piece of the defense that's absolutely instrumental and a place where we struggled big time in 2022. Let's fix that. I can develop the offensive side of the ball more so. After the Byron Murphy signing, what do you think the percent chance is now of them drafting a cornerback in the first round? I think they're very low right now because it, it's a good corner draft. And second of all, you would – so you need depth there. I get that totally. But you got to think, okay, I that – either Evans or Andrew Booth Jr. are finally going to, knock on wood, stay on the field, right? So I still think they go wide receiver, but I also, but my real inclination is they trade back and get more picks. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, what's the worst thing the Vikings have done this offseason? So I was going through this list. There's not a lot of things that are, like, controversially, like, uh, potentially stupid. Like, there, there's not a lot of, oh, my God, how could you hire that 
assistant I mean, coach. They or, let Duke uh, Shelley walk away. They yeah, let the, yeah, Duke, the, Duke, the Duke, 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 Duke of Shelley, Duke, Duke, Duke of Shelley. Um, the one I've got written down, and I don't think that this is like a, a huge mistake, but I think it does hurt, is the, the fact that Dalvin Tomlinson ended up getting paid by Cleveland. Now, the Vikings weren't going to pay him, and I totally get that. So, like, th- this was not a what were you thinking? He went to Cleveland on the cheap. He did not. But if you look the interior defense, I'm not saying that Tomlinson was the second coming of a uh, Hall of Fame player, but he was pretty good. And and this was a team that certainly, even with him at times, struggled with their interior defensive line. So I think that's the worst move. But again, I'm not faulting them. I'm just saying all things being equal, if you could have kept Dalvin Tomlinson, I think that that would have been a major positive. So there still could be a resolution here, but mine is the commitment to paying running backs. So Dalvin Cook is going to have a high cap hit. They bring back Alex Madison, which is fine, but then you're still going to keep Dalvin Cook. I think Kevin O'Connell clearly wants to run the ball more effectively than he did last year. He did not run the ball a ton at all, and when they did run the ball, it wasn't obviously effective. So they want to try to push that forward a little bit more, having a more effective running game. I get that, but I don't get having one of the highest-paid team cap hits to running backs at this time in the NFL. I think that part's a little puzzling to me. Now, if they trade Dalvin Cook, okay, now it makes a little more sense to me. But I think as of now, the commitment of the money that they're spending at the running back position is probably the most puzzling. Yeah, yeah. if we're judging it based on right now, they do have the second most money committed to running backs of any team in the NFL. And so I'm with you. I think like if it stays this way, it's very puzzling. But... It feels like there's going to be a resolution. So my answer to this is more of like a, it's like a two-year arc culminating in this offseason. The worst thing that they've done yeah. is not get any value for their veteran players. And, and, may, and maybe they would say, I think they would, that last year was worth it. They, you know, they squeezed out 13 wins, even though they got beat in the first round of the playoffs. It was worth it to just kind of keep the band together. But if they had started peeling off some of these players a year early, and it's uncomfortable for fans, I get it. Last year at this time, if it would have been trading Adam Thielen or saying goodbye to Eric Kendricks a year early, it would have chapped a lot of people. And I don't think ownership wanted to go down that path. But if you had if you had put some of those guys on the block, and you could include Harrison Smith in this conversation if you want to. I think we're all excited to watch him play for Brian Flores, but... Could you have gotten some second day picks, a second, a third? You know, if you had traded Dalvin Cook a year early, would someone have given you a third round pick or something? And now it's like you said goodbye to Thielen, to Kendricks, Patrick Peterson walked as a free agent, um, Dalvin Tomlinson. Like some of these are unrealistic. I get you're not going to trade all these guys for third round picks, but they literally got nothing for Eric. Eric Kendricks and Adam Thielen are going to be Ring of Honor players. And they got nothing for those guys. And it's possible that they get nothing for Dalvin Cook or maybe like a sixth or a seventh round pick. So I'm, I guess I get it. They won 13 games. It was fun. They had eight fourth quarter comebacks. We'll, we'll always remember the Colts game and the Bills game and everything. But I just wonder if in terms of like the long-term arc of this franchise, if having three or four extra draft picks to work with instead of five total this year and next year would have been the more advantageous play. Don't you guys think, though, that if they could have – so we, we've we gotten 
pushback on, on exactly who who mandated the code red of we're keeping this entire team, right? Like I've got I've I've seen well the Welsh didn't say that. I mean Quasi and Kevin yeah, wanted did. to. Um I think Quasi would have moved guys if he could have. A hundred percent. So I that's where I I mean Quasi's to the fiber of his core as a GM and his background, I don't see any way that he looked at that roster going into 2022 and said, oh, status quo for me. Dude, it's actually a huge, and I know that he, to this point, he sort of whiffed on the draft until we see otherwise, right? Like, right. it's 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 an incomplete grade, but mo- a lot of people are judging Kwesi off of the draft. It's like judging a baseball manager off of bullpen decisions. Like, yeah, that's part of it. But your job as a general manager and as a manager in baseball and other positions behind the scenes in sports is to create environments where players can thrive and succeed. And I think you know, getting rid of the Spielman Zimmer frosty vibe where they don't talk to each other, they right. resent each other, clearing that out and bringing in two guys who are positive, progressive thinkers, they're open-minded, they connect with humans. Forget about the draft for a second. I think that vibe helped the Vikings win 13 games. So, um, you know, we can sit here and say, well, you know, maybe it was a mistake to run it back. And I, I do wish that they would have maybe recouped some value. But the fact that Quasey was told, hey, uh, if you could actually play this course with our golf clubs and not yours, <laughs> and he still shoots like a 67 <laughs> in Kevin O'Connell, right? They were, they were basically told, actually, if you could drive our car, if you could play with our golf clubs, they said, okay. Yeah, we're not going to complain about that. We can make that work. And they did. And now they've gained a little bit more trust, a little bit more leeway to to mold this thing the way that that they want. But make no mistake, the 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 Wilfs and the this isn't like a a big conspiracy or anything. It doesn't have to be like a like unsolved mysteries or something. They didn't want to tank. They didn't want to take a step back. They firmly believed that the previous regime wasn't getting enough out of the pieces that were on that roster. And they wanted the new leadership to come in and and mold the clay in a different way, and they did. Like, and they wound up getting bounced in the first round. But pretty impressive to do what they wanted you to do, not do it your own way, and still put together a thirteen win team. Yep. And so they they don't agree with you because basically what they thought was we would prefer to run our veterans into the ground, which they basically did, mm-hmm. as opposed to try to maximize like a or get like a fifth round pick. I mean, if you had traded Kendricks around this time last year, I think you'd probably get a five, four or five, you know, yeah. not great, but still good. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's just like, no. So they, they basically, there's no way that somebody didn't explain to the Wilfs too. Hey, look, if we trade these guys uh, now, there is value of some sort. If we don't, it's gone. And they clearly said fine with that. Yeah. So, uh, all right, I have a few more questions for you guys, but I don't know if you've checked the forecast here today. It's getting it up to like 75 degrees. Oh. We're headed toward 80-plus degrees this week. I know that most golf courses are still trying to dry out from all the snow, but, boy, Declan, it is getting real close to Meadows at Mystic season here. Getting itchy. I'm getting a little itchy here. I've been scratching. I've been waiting to get out. That's, I want I want it's to It's the mustache man. dandruff, actually. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, no, no, this is, uh, this is moisturizer. I'll put bars of soap on my face like another member of this show. I take care of uh, the moisturization <laughs> of, uh, of, of the chin and up. Uh, and luckily, I'll be looking good at the Meadows at Mystic Lake. I got word from our guys that the frequent player cards actually sold out. Those frequent player cards I've been talking wow. about on these weeks already sold out for the season. But I have some good news. 
you can still go get your 10-round value pack, which uh, gives you 10 vouchers for 10 rounds at the Meadows at Mystic Lake. Go to golfthemeadows.com. Stay up to date there, too, when the course opens so you can finally book those tee times. Go get that 10-round value pack and go play one of the best courses around the Meadows at Mystic Lake and Mystic Lake Casino and Hotel. Go to golfthemeadows.com to stay up to date for tee times. Uh, Judd, tell the audience how they can change their lives ahead of summertime. Uh, maybe lose some weight before you put that bathing suit on this summer, for instance. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That comes, from, of course, from my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers who can help you take excess weight off just like they helped me take 40 pounds off. The guy on the left, yeah, a little bit chunky. The guy on the right, okay, lean, mean, fighting machine, right? How how did Sports Dad get there? Livia Weight Control Centers was the absolute key. And if I got news for you, if you want to, if you want to glide into summer, sands those extra pounds as phil just said looking good in those shorts or your bathing suit eight weeks the first eight weeks are free all you have to do is inquire right now and get on a program that's not just going to help you take off the weight but more importantly their dietitians nutritionists at livia are going to help you keep that weight off 855 go livia livia.com l-i-v-e-a.com testimonials come in basically every week from members of our PD family from people who have tried this and guess what it's worked they've dropped the weight they've kept it off livia l-i-v-e-a.com okay boys what is the most important thing the vikings can still do this offseason so i was thinking about this and thought you know well a jefferson contract extension blah blah, blah that's sort of boring so i'm gonna go with something and that's gonna that's more. gonna happen organically yeah, probably, yeah, right? so, yeah exactly so i'm gonna go with 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 something that i consider to be a little bit more exciting um, they can continue to explore all possible options of player transactions. And I'll start with Kirk Cousins. San Francisco, I mean, I, I won't beat this into the ground again because we've talked about it a million times, but, you know, San Francisco appears to be behind the scenes, a little bit panicked about things. Really good team, set to pop. Don't get too excited there, Phil Mackey. Sorry. Um, <laughs> set to pop and you know we keep hearing steam about boy what's their quarterback who's it going to be brock purdy's going to come back off tommy john no probably not so i think the most important thing that quasi can do along with kevin o'connell is continue to explore all options and if san francisco is going to send you a haul for kirk and if you are going to um be able to then take that and maximize it with a quarterback that you don't intend to keep beyond 2023. If 2022 was all about proving that if you ran this thing back, right, it was going to work. And it did in the regular season. That's very important because it didn't work in the playoffs. But if 2022 was about the standby me veteran roster, let's go back and do this. 2023 and beyond is about crafting a roster that can win a Super Bowl. So. If you tell me, well, well, 2023 without Kirk, they're not competitive. It's not going to be fun. I'm going to tell you right now, they ain't winning a Super Bowl, in my opinion. They're not going to with Kirk. Mm-hmm. So I think the most important thing here is what, whether it be Kirk Cousins, Daniil Hunter, basically anybody, for the most part, not named Justin Jefferson, okay? I think that's the most important thing is you need to be as open at turning over things as you were closed-minded a year ago at making sure everyone came back. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in line here because ordinarily we we you know if Judd says something maybe on an episode like this I would I would pick something different my second choice or my third choice for some content diversity here. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with my first choice and piggyback off of you. 
I actually think the most important thing they can do is recoup trade value for Kirk Cousins. Think about the options here, okay? You've already decided he's not going to be your quarterback contractually at this point beyond 2023. So is the value of him playing one more year in purple and maybe mentoring a young quarterback? The mentoring of a young quarterback is going to come from Kevin O'Connell. Right. This isn't like – now, if Mike Zimmer was the coach, I would say, okay, it didn't really work with Kellen Mond, but who do you trust? You know, is it going to be uh, Gary Kubiak's kid mentoring the young quarterback? Is it going to be Mike Zimmer, who hates young quarterbacks, not named Teddy Bridgewater? Or is it going to be, you know, th- does Kirk have a chance to maybe be a positive influence? And so I would say it's it's a lot less important, the mentorship aspect. Plus, you've got Nick Mullins. He's been a quarterback in the NFL for a while. And again, you have Kevin O'Connell and Wes exactly. Phillips. Exactly. Those are the guys that are going to mentor the young quarterback. And so if my options are, let it ride for one more year, and then he walks away in free agency, and you get like a compensatory pick, which would be like probably like a third round compensatory pick for 2025 is when you would get that. So now I don't get anything for him until 2025. Or I pick up the phone, I call San Francisco. There's got to be another team out there. Like you guys have already made it clear you're not going to be around anyways. Go get, dude, Matt Ryan got a third round pick. Matt, the the carcass of Matt Ryan was worth a third round pick. Carson Wentz, there was a second round pick swap and then an additional third and a conditional third that I think turned into a second. So call it like net, net. You got at least two thirds for Carson Wentz last year. Sam Bradford was traded for a first round pick to the Vikings in 2000, was it 16? So not that long ago. So he has. He has probably second to third round value. I would say like second round pick minimum. Niners don't have a second round pick, so they'd have to give you one of their 18 third round picks. They don't have a first round pick either, but I just think it would be a huge mistake if this was an easy parting of ways this summer and you could get some value for him for maybe even the, I don't think you're going to get it for this upcoming draft, but like for the 2024 draft. I think it'd be a mistake to, if, if a team was sitting there saying, we'll do it. I think it'd be a mistake for you to shoot that down if you're the Vikings. So for me, the, the best thing they can still do um, is bring in either a veteran trade, free agency, or maybe early draft to compete on the offensive line and make someone's life a little bit more challenging uh, in the interior spots of, of the guard place. So can they find another guard in free agency or in the draft that can push one of those two to be better? Uh, mostly at Ingram. Ezra Cleveland's been fine. I'm not trying to say Ezra Cleveland's been a disaster because he certainly has held his own at his spot. But can someone push Ed Ingram to be a little bit better? And whether that means that guy replaces Ed Ingram or, of course, Ed Ingram takes that opportunity, runs with it, becomes a better player because it's year two of him in the NFL, I think having just another upgrade, essentially, on that offensive line is the missing piece of that of that offense being a top 10 unit and top five unit consistently can you find something to make that offensive line a little bit more honed and contained? That'd be the last thing I'd like to see happen this offseason. How would they do that? Probably, It's probably more likely at the draft. I think they find someone in the draft, they do that. Or it's by trade. Like all the free agents, you know, are, are, are mostly gone. But can they find someone else to, to push that player to be better? I think that's, that's the missing ingredient there. Because right now they're probably going to run their offensive line back, right? I mean, I, I don't see any other way where they don't have the same starting five that they had last yeah. year. So that's, that's where I'm at. 
All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Ezra Cleveland thing's a little sneaky because he's a free agent after the year two. So could there be some some sort of like Ezra Cleveland trade in the works? But yeah, they don't it's not like they have a bunch of backups who are chomping at the bit, ready to to step in. Uh I just looked up one more uh quarterback trade value here too. Remember when the Lions sent Matthew Stafford to the Rams for two first round picks, a third, and a decent starting quarterback replacement in Jared Goff, and then won nine games? A year later, dude, Matthew Stafford was worth two first round picks and a third to a team in a Super Bowl window with a win now roster. Just like San Francisco. Well, and I think that you could get a comparable return from San Fran if, if you allowed. So because of Kirk's no trade clause, he, he's going to have to OK a trade. If he's going to do that, I think what you do is you allow Kirk's uh, camp to open up negotiations on an extension pre-trade because if you're going to trade Kirk to, to San Francisco and let's say he's going to get a three-year extension on top of 2023 now I think you're talking a trade that could be compared to that trade mm-hmm. because super there's security now in Kirk's tenure there super interesting so we'll see all right uh, my next question for you guys here as we as we go through the Vikings offseason what is your current level of confidence in Quasi? and I want you to go on a, a one to ten scale one being like your confidence in uh, Vikings GM Mike Lynn the year that they traded everything for Herschel Walker and uh, the top of the scale, a 10 being like, I don't know, 2009 Rick Spielman or something. And they had one of the best teams in the league. All right. I love this one. So I'm going 2015 Rick Spielman. Okay. Teddy here. Zim still fresh at the time. Zim still loved life. That That team... Again, gets past the first round if Blair Walsh does not shank the, what, 27-yard field goal attempt at then-TCF Bank Stadium wide left. Um, now, we knew more about Rick at that point than we know about Quasi now. I mean, Quasi as a GM is still very much a work in progress. Like, we don't know a lot. It's unfolding now, and we're certainly going to see more in the coming months. Uh, but I'm going to give them a 2015 Rick Spielman because I think that they've – I like what they're doing. I think that there is a, a an optimism about the direction. There was certainly in 2015 at the time as well. And I think what we're seeing is is a lot more optimism than pessimism, which is, I think, where things stood back then as well. So, you know, I'm not go- going to say, oh, 98 Denny Green roster – or 2009, Childress Spielman. I'm not close to that yet, but I think 2015, Rick, is very fair. Okay. So I'll, I'll go on a 1 to 10 scale because I think all you know, these GMs, obviously different eras, and things are kind of hard to figure out. So 1 through 10 for me on, on a scale of how much I trust Quasey is probably at a 7. It's at a 7 right now. I, I've liked what he's done with his trades that he's made. The TJ Hawkinson in-season trade I thought was great. You know, even when you buy low on a Jalen Rager or Ross Blacklock, like, those are still good swings to take. It doesn't cripple you necessarily. You're not overpaying for those guys. So I like those trades he's made. Uh, yeah, the 
the first draft is a little bit of an incomplete. And also because of that, they are banking that these defensive backs who are all going to be second year or even rookie players are going to help turn around a a defense that's been pretty poor. And I think Flores will help out with that. But that's a risk. Kwesi's taking a pretty big risk that all their defensive backs are basically in their second or third or fourth seat. Like there's, There's a lot of raw players there. That's a big risk for him. So can he fix that? Can he start turning around those things? After that, I think it can go way up. But I've liked what I've seen so far. It's been a 7 out of 10. Uh, I know that he wasn't really the GM at the time, but I'm going to say like 2008 Rick Spielman, where they, they the, the roster construction was there. You had some key pillars. And you had, like at the time, you had your Adrian Peterson, who's kind of the Justin Jefferson for this year's team. Yeah, And you just need a couple final things here. You have a nice nucleus, and you need a couple things to add so I would I would I would say I'm so I guess like Declan like it's like a seven and a half for me despite the draft last year. Now if that draft continues to produce zero qualified NFL players, I will lower that number. But I'm going to give him a chance to get Lewis seen healthy, Andrew Booth healthy. All right, and then my last question for you guys before we get to an interesting mock here is your current level of confidence in KOC. The scale being on a one to ten, the one is like a 2010 Brad Childress where everyone kind of knew. It's time to go. Or like a 1975 Bud Grant at the top of the scale where he's just universally one of the best coaches in the NFL. So if my confidence in Kwesi was a 2015 Rick Spielman, which um, to a grade or a numerical grade is about a six, my confidence in KOC is a 1993 Dennis Green new sheriff in town, which is a seven. That's where I was going, too. Yeah. Um, very much the same thing. You know, Bernsey's team, Ber- Bernsey was uh, let go after 91. Green came in, and everyone looked at that team and roster and thought, there's not much here. And he made the playoffs. Played Washington at the Metrodome, and in the wild card round was eliminated in the first round. But nonetheless, we all said, whoa, you made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Which, which Green then started um, to make his calling card without winning playoff games, which became a problem eventually. But anyway, I think Kevin O'Connell is very much in that same bin because I don't think a lot of us expected the 2022 Vikings to be a playoff team, which they were. They won 13 games. They definitely uh, looked far sharper than we expected, especially with that roster. Um, It's It's a year. It's an impressive year. It's not a year that completely gets me to say, oh, my God, this team is now a Super Bowl team. But it's definitely a positive. Again, optimism right now far outweighs pessimism. So I'm going with a seven. But to your question, Phil, I'm going 1993 going into his second year, Dennis Green. Yeah, giving him the benefit of the doubt of of the Dennis Green comparison. Uh, I remember the end of the Denny years, not the beginning of the Denny years, because I was probably only nine months old when Denny took over in 1993. But I, I do remember how great Mike Zimmer was, obviously, when he got here, too. Um, he was a breath of fresh air, kind of the opposite, obviously, turning around the defense and still having an offense that worked with either a Matt Castle or a rookie Teddy Bridgewater. He was still able to have a pretty competitive team there while also turning around a defense that was just atrocious. And for the first time in my Vikings lifetime, actually trusting a defense, which is still the only era of Vikings football that I know of trusting a defense with Zimmer. With KOC, I think he stepped in. He finally made the offense where it should be. There were some areas where he could be better, 
Um, you know, he tried to do a lot of these more of these trick plays. We saw at times last year where those could be effective. And there's other times where I thought he got too cute. Why are we doing a jump pass on the goal line? Why is Kirk, no. why is Kirk Cousins receiving a football from Justin Jefferson in a playoff game, right? Like, there are some things that he can still for sure work on. But I I love his demeanor. His attitude is a, is a, is all positivity. I would say a 7 out of 10. Same with Quake. Yeah, I, yeah, 2015 Mike Zimmer, maybe. Like, the first year of Mike Zimmer looked like, okay, there's something there. And then, oh, this team is responding well to him and winning 11 games. So, I'm yeah, I think I, it's like an 8 for me with KOC. Right, there's just something about my only worry would be, does he get a little too attached? Is he too much of a player's coach? Mm-hmm. Is he able to? Is he able to get everyone to? You know, he he built such great chemistry in that locker room because he's kind of a ride or die. He's almost like one of the guys. Is there that separation for hard decisions? And this off season, you know, they've they've kind of done it. They've said goodbye to Thielen. They've they've made some tough decisions. I think he held on to Ed Donatel too long, although I'm not sure. Like, if you fire him in November, is is the defense going to make a big jump in December? I, I think they almost sealed their fate when they when they hired Ed. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm like an 8 out of 10 for KOC. So let us know. What do you guys think in the YouTube comment section about any of these questions? What's a big thing that they can still do this offseason? What's your level of confidence in Quasi and KOC? You can also hit us up in the uh, feedback section of the Score North app where we collect all of your questions and comments and takes and theories for our Feedback Friday episodes. Real quick, before we go here, I do have an interesting mock for you guys. I want a mock! Mock! All right, presented by our friends at Dennis Kirk. We appreciate their partnership at Score North and on Purple Daily. It's been a long winter, but I think riding season is finally emerging here. We might get a little snow like next weekend, it says, but... Yeah, just stop. It's but it's going to be today. it's going to be like seventy five degrees. Yeah, it's great degrees. outside. Yeah, so uh, make sure your motorcycle is ready with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley's, Indians, Metric Cruisers, sport bikes, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. So you can ride more and weight less. Over one hundred eighty thousand parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets as well. Shipping is free for orders over eighty nine dollars. If you if you order by eight p.m., they ship the same day. Everything you need for your ride at DennisKirk.com. All right, dudes. Friend of the show and former contributor to the old 1500ESPN.com, Sam Munson has a mock draft at PFF.com. Sammy. So I'll pop this up here on the screen, too, for the for the YouTube audience. But uh, the number one pick is very interesting, as you'll see here. Haven't seen a lot of this, but there's some steam. Anthony Richardson may be drafted number one in Sam goes there in this mock. He's got the Panthers drafting Anthony Richardson. I can buy that. Mm -hmm. He's got the Texans drafting Bryce Young, Uh and then the Colts moving up for Will Levis. Oh, interesting. So he's got Stroud Hmm. falling out of the top three. Hmm. That is really interesting. Some would say ballsy. Yeah, Will Anderson to the Cardinals at four. Jalen Carter, who's visiting the Seahawks today, I I guess, at five. And then the Tennessee Titans trading up to six to get C.J. Stroud. Love the ballsiness of this mock. Yeah, he's he. When's the last time that we saw Stroud, uh, even borderline falling out of the top three? Yeah, no, you can't. You know, it's it's not going to be a cookie cutter draft night. Things always happen. Oh, they do? Mm-hmm. So, they do. So dare to be bold if you Very are an aspiring mocker out there. <laughs> All 
All right, he's got, there's Joey Porter Jr., a couple cornerbacks off the board. First receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba to the Texans. And we'll just keep scrolling here. Some meat and potatoes, some tackles. Lions uh, taking Christian Gonzalez at 18 there. Jordan Addison and Quentin Johnston back-to-back at 20 and 21. So now three receivers off the board. Thor's guy just went to the Chargers at 21 with Quentin Johnson. And then at the 23rd pick, according to Sam Munson, PFF.com, the Minnesota Vikings select. Oh, wait, it's a trade. Look at this. It's a trade. Oh, the Vikings trade back. Yep. Okay, the Chiefs. He it? So he's got the Chiefs trading up to draft the uh, Tennessee offensive tackle Darnell Wright. Well, there's John Michael Schmitz at 25. To the Giants. To the G-Men. They'll be there a long time. And we scroll, scroll, scroll to the 31st pick where the Vikings. He doesn't have, I don't think he has the actual trade here, but trading back from 23 to 31 probably nets you a third round pick, a bonus third round pick. He's got the Vikings selecting Brian Brise from Clemson, the interior defensive lineman. I want to mock! Mock! And here's the write-up. The Vikings will be tempted by a receiver at this spot, and were I higher on Zay Flowers, I might have made that move. They still badly need some interior impact on the defensive line, and the potential in Brise is too much to overlook here. Last season, Brise put up 24 pressures on 200 pass rushing snaps, his best Football could easily be ahead of him, given the way his college career played mm. out. So there you go. Second consecutive year. Quasi has the uh, last pick, self-inflicted, of course, in the first round. Yeah. Makes a little more sense when you're in their current position than when you were, yeah. what, drafting 12th or 14th or whatever it was the year before that. So there you go. Interesting. Sam? Sam really, really going off the uh, charts there with that one, though. He's going for it. I feel like most mockers, they'll do trades in the top 10, but then they just, like, get a little lazy after the top 10. They lose interest. It gets, they, they get bored. It's yeah, time to make a sandwich. There's going to be a bunch of trades toward the back of the draft, too, so you might as well keep keep the trades coming. Yeah. So there you have it. All right, that's your Purple Daily Fix for today, Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. If you could give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts, and if you could click the like button and the subscribe button on the Purple Daily YouTube channel, both of those things help spread the word about this show and this awesome community. And we'll see many of you at Park Tavern on April 27th for the second annual draft party. See you tomorrow.